Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle, where we discuss the most relevant topics in higher ed today. I'm your host, Joe Trano, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Halley, as we kick off a three-part series focused on AI and higher ed. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Hi, Joe. Good, thanks. I'm excited for our discussion today. Yeah, me too. We'll, we'll be having uh, three different perspectives on, um, on AI. Uh, we'll have, in the uh, next three episodes, we'll have, uh, obviously, a student today. Uh, but we'll also be um, speaking with a faculty member and a CIO. So very exciting series that we're kicking off today with our guest, Evan Barr. So Evan, welcome. We really appreciate you joining us today. Hey, Joe, how are you? Good. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your uh, background and you know where you go to school and what you study? Maybe sure. we'll start there. Yeah. Um, so... Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Evan Barr. I'm currently a senior um, at Colby College up in Waterville, Maine. Um, I'm currently studying science, technology, and society, minoring in um, economics and American studies. Very cool. This is your last year, right? So you have two semesters? Yeah, two semesters. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's crazy that it's gone by this quickly, but definitely excited for this discussion. I'm currently writing a thesis paper for my senior year on, um, you know, how artificial intelligence has the potential to, you know, disrupt entrepreneurship and new venture creation. So a lot of the research I've done, you know, already is going to be pretty relevant to that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that was, you know, one of the reasons that piqued our interest in having you on the podcast is really to get your perspective. And obviously you, um, you've been really involved in a lot of this in, in your schoolwork. And so, Brian and I are excited about, you know, um, learning a little bit more about, you know, what you're focused on and really what your thoughts are as, as a student. Why don't we start there? And, you know, you mentioned the project. Why don't you give us a little bit more information about that? Uh, I think it's the finance class, right, this fall that you have that project. And so maybe share share with our um, our listeners a little bit more about that project. What does that entail? Yeah. Um, so I originally had taken a corporate finance class. Um, and so my, this was really my first introduction kind of to AI. And, you know, just before you know we hopped on this call, I think I had looked up, you know, when ChatGPT was released and it was right around the same time, kind of, you know, as I was taking this course, you know, first semester last year, um, you know, finals were approaching in December. Um, and I remember there was one specific question, like I was doing a practice guide for the exam and I was, you know, for some reason missing one of the answers to the practice questions. Um, and one of my roommates said to me, like, you know, have you heard of this crazy thing called chat GPT? Um, and I was like, no. And they pulled it up and I was just completely amazed at how, how much it was really able to pull um, and the information that it was able to give. And, and, you know, this really surprised me, especially as a student, um, you know, because I hadn't really heard about you know, any of this before, you know, you've obviously, you know, I've heard about AI and, you know, you've really, um, you know, heard about it in the past, but this was really probably my first, um, you know, real experience with AI. And I guess, you know, I think one important thing to really, um, you know, lay the foundation of is, I guess, when I'm talking about AI, I'm really talking about, you know, the aspect of, um, you know, models that are able to, um, incorporate machine learning. And what I really mean by machine learning is really, um, you know, being able to analyze different data and understand the patterns from this data, extract that, and then be able to really make predictions, future predictions on new data that is presented to it. Thanks, Evan. I, I, that's uh, that's cool to hear your, your initial, you know, kind of perspectives. I'm curious, 
you know, beyond what, you know, you, you discovered with your, your first interaction with chat GPT, how, how else are you using the, uh, you know, AI tools either in, in classes or in your schoolwork and how else are you, are you seeing it across campus? Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, the first way I really use AI probably is the same to how the average person uses it, right? When you, you know, are scanning into an office building, or you're scanning into a dorm room, you know, you're going to the dining hall and, you know, scanning your card to get a meal. Um, you know, that's ultimately able to work on the back end because of the different algorithms that are computing and going on, you know, you're not seeing any of that. Um, so I think that's one side of it, right? Where you're, you're experiencing it in the sense where, um, you know, I think it's really interesting, especially as I'm doing research for a thesis project where so far, um, you know, a lot of my research has really been online. Um, so I've been utilizing a lot of databases like Google Scholar. Um, so I think this is really where, you know, you're seeing AI is really changing kind of how the student is able to do, per, do and perform research, um, which I think is really interesting, right? As opposed to this whole aspect of, um, you know, going to the library, checking out all these books. Um, and, you know, while, you know, I, I probably will do that at some point in my research, um, it's interesting to think how, you know, this new idea of using AI and using these databases, these online databases, um, is really front and center, um, you know, when performing research as a student. Um, so I think that's one component of it. Um, and the next component I think I'd like to speak on kind of is like the, the aspect of, you know, ChatGPT. And I think one particular thing that's interesting about ChatGPT, um, you know, I had a few weeks ago, I had a professor, um, a professor I've had in the past, um, he's an English professor, he came in and spoke to one in one of my seminars. Um, and he kind of gave this presentation about, you know, how large language models are a fiction. And so what large language models are really what ChatGPT is. And so he basically, you know, he showed it to his freshman class. He showed this presentation to his freshman class. Um, and he basically plugged in one of his works that he had submitted into ChatGPT. So he, he gave the link to ChatGPT and asked for a summary of his article. And then the next slide, he basically posted that summary and kind of gave a mock-up, assessing the validity and the credibility and actually if it was correct. Um, and, it, you know, it was really interesting to see because a lot of it was actually not right. It actually didn't. Um, re it didn't actually take a correct summary of the piece um, and provide it to the user, right? So, you know, the, the whole presentation was titled, um, how it was centered around how large language models are fiction. And I think it's a really interesting concept to think about, um, you know, because when, you know, as a student, when you ask, um, you know, ChatGPT, hey, can you provide me a summary on this piece? what a lot of students are doing right now is they're really taking that summary and they're taking that analysis and they're using it as truth. And I think that's the issue around ChatGPT right now is, you know, it looks super credible and it looks, um, you know, very legit. Um, but who's actually doing the fact checking on that, right? Who's actually coming through and make sure, making sure that the data is providing you is really correct. Um, and so I, I myself as a student, um, you know, try to stray away from um, directly copying or directly pasting in different works of literature into ChatGPT because I think, you know, that really raises the whole issue around ownership, um, you know, by really, by putting in someone else's work that is potentially, you know, protected by a database or under a fire or paywall, um, you know, that's really giving up ownership of someone else's work. So I really find myself trying to stray away from that. 
Um, but as a student, I think, you know, what I really use chat GPT for, um, you know, it's really a tool. Um, and I think, you know, as a student, I, I really utilize it when I'm stuck. Um, so, you know, instead of, you know, turning to a peer and asking for help, you know, if you're studying on your own and you're stuck on developing, you know, a thesis statement for an essay you're writing, I kind of, you know, plug my thoughts in the chat GPT just to get different ideas, just to, you know, spew that creation and really, um, you know, just get me going on the writing process. So I think it's a really great tool for that um, as well. And I, you know, I found myself writing an essay last week and I was like, I really, you know, I need a title. Um, and so I kind of gave it, you know, I gave it, you know, a few parameters and guidelines on what I wanted to do. Um, it created a great one. So I think it's really useful for things like that. But I think, um, you know, as a student, I personally have a, a good amount of skepticism around, um, you know, the validity and, you know, truth kind of around these models. I think skepticism can can be healthy in in many contexts, but especially here with with ChatGPT. I'm curious, you know, you shared a little bit about that one professor's perspective. Has there been any communication from college administration to, to students at all at, at Colby that you're aware of? I, I'm not aware that there have been any direct communications from the administration. Um, you know, the only thing that really comes to my mind when I think about, um, you know, how professors have kind of dealt with chat GPT, um, you know, a lot of them, and I don't know if this was conveyed to professors by the administration of the school, um, but I found that a lot of the syllabuses that I've received for my courses, a lot of them do have kind of a note there or a little tiny section on chat GPT where it kind of says, you know, please don't use chat GPT. But it also kind of hints at the, the, you know, the point that please don't use chat GPT. But if I say it's okay to use chat GPT, you can. And I think that's really interesting, right? So it's really demonstrating that, you know, I think, you know, faculty and staff at institutions right now are really, they're kind of in the midst of kind of developing a process of how to deal with it. Um, but I think, you know, they're not quite there yet. Um, you know, ChatGPT hasn't been around for ter terribly long. Um, so I think, you know, as time goes on, um, there's definitely going to be more policies around it. Um, and also, you know, what I've kind of seen as a, as a senior, right, you know, you get to see a lot of different things of how, you know, campuses work, how they operate, different things like that. And I think, you know, for me, one thing I've realized is sometimes institutions don't necessarily deal with issues until they have to deal with them. And so I think, you know, in, in this concept, it's really relating to the fact where it's like, okay, we haven't had specific instances of students necessarily cheating or, you know, plagiarism on exams or essays. And so I think until those instances do occur and they're able to be identified, I don't really think that, you know, these policies or mandates will really be put into effect. And until those things occur, um, you know, we'll, we'll still remain at where we're at right now, um, which is, you know, kind of a little bit vague, um, you know, of really assessing, you know, how the institution should use AI. I appreciate uh, that insight. I'm curious about the faculty member that you described that had, had this notion of, you know, the fiction piece. Um, are there other faculty that share that same sentiment or maybe give a little insight on, obviously you have more than one faculty member that you're, you're having in your classes. What are some of the other faculty around campus? How are they feeling about this? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of faculty are ultimately pretty hesitant to, to take on these new technologies. You know, quite quite a few of my professors are, you know, they're 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 not the youngest people. They're, you know, they've they've been in, you know, they've been professors at Colby for a while. Um, so they're pretty resistant to adopting those new forms of technology. And I think, you know, in some of my classes, that's kind of what I'm seeing, right? And I think it's really interesting to juxtapose that point, right? And think about it because you know, I have this one professor who, you know, I've been working with since freshman year. She's great, really great at, you know, breaking things down, data analysis, different things like that. Um, and also has a, you know, immense background in coding. Um, so very technical background. She's very, you know, very much so open to the idea, I think, of these new technologies and incorporating them into our lives. But I think it's really interesting to think about, you know, maybe some of the faculty who aren't necessarily able to, um, you know, learn how to use these new technologies or are resistant to using them. Um, you know, and I, I really think that places a strain and responsibility on the ultimate, um, you know, administration of Colby and other institutions. Um, so I think they really, you know, they really need to just deal with it head on and kind of take it for what it is. Um, you know, really recognize that AI can be beneficial when used correctly. Um, but that, you know, there are, I think, you know, a lot of kind of what I'm seeing in my research now, um, you know, uh, regarding AI is, and I think that's one component of my major, which is science, technology, and society, right? It's really considering how does technology, you know, how, how do technological artifacts such as AI kind of alter, you know, the social dimension of human beings? And I think, you know, that's kind of what I'm seeing with AI is that it is completely altering. And I think people are kind of, you know, a little bit afraid of the potentials of AI. And I think, you know, there's reason to be in a way, um, because I think, you know, there, there needs to be a lot more ethical and moral considerations behind AI and what, what are you actually using it for, right? That needs to really be defined so that it can be used in the most efficient um, way possible. Evan, you, you know, you mentioned that AI can can be beneficial if used appropriately. Do you think there are usages for AI in higher education that that can be you know can be deployed appropriately, whether yeah. from a student or 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 on the faculty, staff, administration side? I mean, I definitely think so. Um, you know, one specific tool that I've recently started using is something called Illicit, which is, um, you know, a research tool that really helps students better identify sources, um, you know, for their papers or for their courses, different things like that. Um, and so, you know, I found myself using it this morning and I was basically prompted, um, you know, it's pretty easy to sign up. Um, you don't need a, an academic email. At least I don't think I use mine. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a very helpful tool because, you know, I basically plugged in my topic and I was like, hey, I'm trying to look for sources, um, you know, that look, really look at how artificial intelligence has the potential to disrupt new venture creation. Um, and it, it provides you, you know, it provided me a list of 10, maybe eight or so sources and it gives you a brief abstract on those sources. And so when I looked at those, I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is a crazy tool. It's already helped me streamline my research immensely. Now, I think that really raises the question around actually looking at the sources, right? Because, um, you know, it, it may provide this abstract, but 
I think, you know, as a student, you know, I'm really finding that you really have to question, you know, question, questioning AI is a big thing um, and really questioning that validity, right? So it provides that abstract, but is that abstract necessarily true? And I think, you know, that tool, um, and I'm sure there's many others out there that students are using right now. Um, you know, I mean, another one that I, I use a lot is, I mean, Grammarly, right? Grammarly is an AI tool. And so I think it's really helpful to use Grammarly, especially when you're trying to, you know, make your writing a lot more concise. It's very helpful, um, you know, to students, to professionals. And so that's one tool that I've really started to use. But I think what AI is really challenging is just challenging the idea of, you know, kind of what the student actually is, right? So instead of, you know, I, typically if I were to perform research, I would go onto Google Scholar and type in my project. And so tools like Elicit are really challenging that idea of, you know, actually instead of doing the digging for the sources, it's providing with the sources. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, you know, I think it's important to recognize that, that value, right. And that value is really saving time. Um, so I think that that's really, you know, how I've been using AI, you know, in my, in my daily life and in my research. Yeah, I can see, I can see the value in that. Um, we certainly in, in the, uh, work for, you know, the work world, obviously we see that too, where these tools can help save time. Is there, um, from an administration standpoint, is there any policy in place that, um, regarding a lot of these tools, um, how they can be used? Like you, you mentioned Grammarly, I've heard, you know, negative comments about using that tool because it takes away from your ability really to learn how to write in a good way. So I'm just curious, what, what about the administrative view of these tools for students to use? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't, I, you know, I was just saying this, I don't think that there's necessarily an administrative policy around it. I think the, the really the only viewpoint right now uh, of AI tools is that it really has the potential um, for a student to land themselves in a situation where they're caught plagiarizing. That I think is the current you know, viewpoint of a lot of administrators right now. Um, but, you know, I think what a lot of schools or what Colby is doing, and I think, you know, this is really beneficial as a liberal arts institution. Um, you know, two or two years or so ago, they received funding to create something called the Davis Institute for AI, which, um, you know, has been around for a year or two now, but I really just, um, you know, have found myself using it as a student um, recently. And I think it's a really interesting institute to have on campus. And, you know, you can see there's a dedicated group of students. Um, you know, I think Colby recently announced that it was creating a data science major. Um, and, you know, at a liberal arts school, that's not typically um, something that you're presented with. And I think that's a really great tool that Colby's offering. And I think, you know, thinking where I was three or four years ago, if I had known that was, you know, a major, I think I would have found the school even more so appealing. Um, but I think, you know, what the Davis Institute for AI is really doing right now on Colby's campus is they're really helping students who are really interested in, you know, computer science um, and computing in general really maximize and take advantage of, um, you know, the resources that they have available. And I've, I've really seen that as, um, you know, this institute is developing more and more. Colby is able to hire, you know, more technical and provide students with a lot more resources to, you know, learn a lot more about AI. 
Um, and so I actually recently met with the director of this institute, um, you know, in relation to my thesis project. Um, she was very helpful with providing me a lot of resources that I can access as a student. But I think, you know, she really pointed me in the direction of, you know, a bunch of student entrepreneurs on campus. Um, and it was really interesting to hear how some of these students were able to create businesses, but they didn't necessarily have, you know, coding skills or a coding background. And I asked her, I said, how, how are they able to do this then? And she said, things like ChatGPT, if you give it the certain parameters, it's actually able to, you know, create that code. And I think that's a really interesting concept. It really just demonstrates that, um, you know, these AI models are really enabling anyone um, to really be able to, you know, develop a product or, you know, sell a service. And I think that's a really in interesting concept. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear that. I, I think it's important to really help prepare students for the future in the workforce. And I think these tools are just going to become even more in use. And so giving you exposure to that and using it as a tool as it's meant to be, I think is, is fantastic. So hopefully there's other institutions. I'm sure they're doing the same thing. Um, I do like this Davis Institute for AI. I think that's really, really cool. Um, and it really shows Colby's, I think, forward thinking in preparing students and having an institute really provide the necessary um, tools and insight and opportunities to interact with professors that are kind of in that space. So really cool stuff. Evan, is there anything you wish AI could do for you in school that you haven't found a tool for yet? There, there are tools online to create bibliographies and citations and different things like that, you know, and, and I've recently come across a tool that's very helpful with citations called Zotero that uses a little bit of AI, but, but it's, it's a little bit more manual in terms of user input. But I think it would be really interesting if, you know, you could somehow integrate AI into Microsoft Word. The, the thing that's always gotten me in my papers and I've always, you know, just it's just kind of a pain, you know, for every student is really in, in text citations um, and different things like footnotes. So I think, you know, if AI could somehow, you know, track that and, you know, maybe scan that article and, you know, take the content from that article and know that you're talking about it at the end of a, a sentence and cite it right there. I think that would be amazing, especially as a student. Uh, you know, it, it can be a really time consuming process if you're not proactive with, you know, footnotes or in, te in, in text citations. Um, I found myself, you know, spending an hour plus having to go back, figure out where the, you know, the material came from, which source it came from, go back, cite that, and then go to the next sentence and do that for the whole essay. And I think, you know, if there was a tool to bypass that, that would be very helpful. I think I'm going to have nightmares tonight with all of your talk about citations and bibliographies. <laughs> kind of the final question here, what can institutions do to prepare themselves for the AI revolution? I think the, the, the big thing that, you know, institutions really need to do is recognize that it is valuable, um, that AI systems have the potential to, you know, streamline a lot of processes that institutions, um, you know, engage in. Especially, you know, on the back end of, um, you know, I guess one specific thing that comes to my mind is, you know, the office of the registrar. The office of the registrar is typically, you know, typically deals with, you know, course enrollments, 
major declarations, different things like that. You know, and I found myself walking into the registrar's office multiple times, you know, to ask questions, you know, follow up about something. Um, you know, and I've I, you I've seen this massive board pinpointing and understanding, you know, how are we going to make you know hundreds of classes run throughout a semester in an efficient way? How are we going to allocate classrooms on campus? in an efficient manner. And I think, you know, that's one way that AI could, um, you know, potentially be used, um, you know, at institutions, at least from an administration standpoint. I think, you know, if you could develop a tool that, you know, could allocate classes to different uh, classrooms at respective times, knowing when that classroom is open, I think that would be a, an immense tool that you know higher education institutions um, would really benefit from, as opposed to you know doing a lot of these processes manually. And I think you know that in itself would you know has the potential to also save institutions a lot of money. Um, and you know I think another thing that institutions really need to do is just you know kind of really you know take the issue of AI on you know, kind of head on in a way. Um, and, you know, don't try to, you know, not deal with it or put it off to the side. I think AI at, at the point that we're at right now, I think it really only serves to benefit, um, you know, higher, edu higher education institutions. Um, so I think, you know, different um, schools really need to make sure that they're providing their faculty, you know, with the resources to learn um, and with the resources to take advantage of these AI tools that are, um, you know, coming onto the market, because um, you know that will only continue to increase, especially um, you know as we're in this AI boom right now. I think you know AI, you know, there's tons of AI startups out there, so the different tools and the options will only increase. And you know, finally, I think you know from a student perspective, I think higher education institutions kind of need to take a stance and really let their students know kind of their stance and position on AI, right? You know, at least at Colby right now, you know, there's no sort of like Wi-Fi ban on ChatGPT. You know, you can access it through Colby's, you know, Wi-Fi networks, um, which is, I think, pretty interesting still um, that you can do that. But, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to see if that'll change later on down the road, right? I think schools like Colby really do have the power to say, hey, we want to, you know, take off the ability for students to access ChatGPT, and they could do that. And, you know, I do think students would probably find a way around it. You know, they could use a hotspot on their phone or just use their phone to access it. But I think, you know, that's one real step in the process of really implementing AI and using it as a tool, because it is ultimately a tool. Um, it doesn't necessarily solve one problem, but it can be used in a way that helps solve and automate a lot of processes that, you know, are potentially time consuming and take up a lot of the resources of a specific institution. Very well said, Evan, and um, really appreciate your perspective. Um, we're, we're out of time. And I think Brian and I both really benefited from our conversation today. I know I certainly appreciated, uh, you know, you sharing your insights about the different tools and how you use it at, at, um, at Colby and where you see the benefits for students and also the administration. And, um, you know, highlighting the, the little bit of caution or skepticism that you should, uh, you should have in validating, um, you know, these tools I think is really healthy. 
Um, and uh, it's kind of exciting to hear your perspective. So thank you. And Brian, did you have any, any final thoughts? Um, I, I just, Evan, thank you. First of all, um, I feel old <laughs> after hearing your thoughts. Um, my, I guess my, my, my uh, one comment would be still, still go to the library if you can. You should still go to the library. Um, but it was, it was cool to talk with you. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm yeah. Talk, so. Cool. Thanks a lot, Evan. Appreciate it. Uh, well, that wraps up this uh, episode, and you can find our podcast on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple iTunes. Check back next month for another great topic and great guest. Until then, stay well. Stay well.